Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. It's time now to turn our attention to headlines coming out from the region in our regional roundup. And helping me this morning is Nicholas Fang, Managing Director, Black Dot and Director for Security and Global Affairs, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Good morning, sir. Good to have you back. Morning, morning, guys. How's it going? Not too bad. And we're looking forward to the ASEAN Summit that's set to happen from tomorrow till Sunday. As far as who's going and who's not, what sticks out for you? Well, it's, uh, it's the start of a very, very interesting season, uh, I'm sure you guys are aware. Obviously, we've got ASEAN coming up, we've got the G20, and yeah. we've got APEC, and all this is sort of in our backyard, right? You know, mm. we've got Cambodia, uh, Indonesia, and and then subsequently APEC in in uh, Thailand. So, you know, obviously, uh, keeping an eye on the the, who, the who's and the who aren't coming uh, is going to be very important. And uh, you know, ASEAN comes at a very interesting time for Cambodia. Uh, the geopolitical issues uh, around the world definitely is going to have a bit of an impact uh, on you know the, the discussions and, and what's going to happen uh, in Cambodia. Um, the theme for the ASEAN uh, uh, summit in, in the coming uh, few days is called ACT, Addressing Challenges Together. Uh, and uh, we've already seen uh, significant partners beyond the, the ASEAN nations, minus Myanmar, um, announcing that they're coming. The U.S. President Joe Biden has said he's going to be here. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think uh, some of the discussions are certainly going to, to be quite interesting. Geopolitical issues like the, the Ukraine uh, 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 conflict is definitely going to be high on the agenda. Um, and, of course, the, the ability to recover from all the challenges, you know, economic and otherwise that we've been seeing post-COVID uh, will be quite high on the agenda as well. Mm. Um I guess one of the key issues whenever we're talking about ASEAN is the, the bloc's sort of desire for uh, neutrality uh, and non-confrontational uh, sort of approach to, to many, many issues. Uh, the key question as always is going to be how effective uh, is the summit going to be? How are there actually going to be any sort of tangible outcomes that we will see? Uh, and, and I think, uh, you know, this time around we might actually see uh, some interesting developments. Uh, the Ukraine has already said it's keen to sign a key ASEAN peace pact, yeah. um, the TAC, the Treaty on Amity and Cooperation. Uh, and uh, while, while, of course, uh, President Zelensky isn't going to be traveling given the issues that are happening domestically, you know, a senior Ukraine uh, official will be coming to sign that, the Ukraine mm. foreign minister. So, uh, you know, that, that sort of puts ASEAN uh, on a bit of a global stage uh, and it allows the organizers to, you know, adopt a little bit more of an international profile, as it were. Mm. I guess because it's so back-to-back, right, ASEAN Summit and, of course, the G20 Summit, 15-16 November, a lot of attention will be given on, you know, how strong this bloc can be in terms of diffusing tensions. Myanmar surely will top the agenda. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, obviously, we can't mention ASEAN without talking about the situation in Myanmar. Mm. Uh, you know, Myanmar uh, leadership, the military leadership, not going to be invited to the to the ASEAN summits and, and the related events. Uh, and I think observers are expecting to see some uh, progress, potentially an implementation plan for the five-point uh, plan that has been drawn up for the longest time, uh, but not really implemented to, to sort of see improvements uh, in, in the Myanmar situation as well. Um, but, you know, with so much on the plate, I, I, I wonder a little bit whether there'll be enough 
uh, a bandwidth for for the leaders to actually reach any sort of you know tangible outcomes if they're dealing with you know international geopolitical issues, they're dealing with uh, economic recovery, uh, uh, sort of ambitions. Uh, obviously, we haven't even started talking about climate change yeah. with, with COP27 happening a little bit further away in Egypt. Yeah. Um, so many things on the agenda. It really, really begs the question: How uh, are the the different uh, leaders going to be able to manage? Uh, all these different things on their plates. Are we just going to see, you know, the usual criticism is that it's a bit of a talk shop. We'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about everything, uh, but how are we actually going to see you know, tangible progress? I think the jury is still out right now, uh, whether we'll see any big moves uh, with regards to Myanmar, for example. Mm, I think you're very right on that. And just to highlight, Chinese Premier Li Keqiang attending the meeting, the ASEAN summit, that is. So that's his first trip out of the country. But the US attendance and, and the amount of emphasis they're giving does boost that sort of regional sway in that sense where businesses are concerned. Oh, 100%. I think the US uh, made a very clear declaration. There was a meeting of uh, ASEAN leaders with uh, US leadership uh, a few months ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, of course, President Biden has, has already said that he's keen to, to come down to the ASEAN summit. Um, it's a bit cheating because mm-hmm. obviously when they come for this period, they're able to hit a few different summits at the same time. They can do ASEAN first and then, and then uh, of course, the, the G20 uh, in Bali, Indonesia, uh, a few days after that. Uh, I hear that uh, Vice President Kamala Harris is going to the APEC summit in Bangkok. So they are giving a lot of uh, emphasis on this region. Uh, and I think the key question that most of us here in the region is asking is, are they looking at the region in and of itself, uh, in terms of the value, yeah. the partnerships and things like that? Or is it looking purely just to balance the, the China influence ah. in, in the broader Asia? So, you know, I think there's most, most people tend to look at the, the situation through that lens that, that it has come down to a bit of a superpower rivalry, um, whether it's, you know, in terms of geopolitics or economics. Um, and uh, many uh, sort of watch uh, political observers and, and to, to a certain extent, the leadership in ASEAN would much rather not be forced to have to choose mm. between the US and China or any other superpower. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we're starting to see in, in a good way uh, the, the, the ASEAN opinion uh, mattering a little bit more. We talked a little bit at the start about how the Ukraine issue is likely to come up uh, at some of the meetings here. Um, but it, it shows that, you know, there, there is a role for ASEAN to play um, it's just that I think uh, the, the trickiness of sort of balancing uh, the superpower interests while also pushing for, you know, key issues that matter to this region, um, those, those are, as usual, going to be part of the tightrope walking exercise when, when, we, when we see the summits roll out in the next few weeks. Just a quick one, Nick, and this is with regard to making choices. Malaysia is going to make a choice in a couple of weeks. Could be the last election for former PM Mohidin Yassin, but he's got a strong legacy in his home state of Johor. And then the current caretaker Prime Minister Ismail Sabri Yaakob saying he's confident of BN being a dominant party in the government. I mean, your opinion and your observation, what are the odds of these two becoming Prime Minister again, either one of them? Wow, the, uh, the, the jury is certainly out on that respect and on many, many other issues as they pertain to, to the upcoming uh, GE15 uh, yeah. across the causeway. I think Malaysian politics is always interesting because it's, it's a big country and there's so many issues at play. 
Uh, we're hearing, you know, of course, bread and butter economic issues high on people's minds as they are in many other parts of the world. Uh, but I think you, if you look at the voters, there there is a certain sense of fatigue. And all these, you know, political uh, ding-dongs that they've been seeing in the past few years, coalitions coming, going, reforming, uh, and, and things like that. Uh, and then, of course, within Malaysia, you have the urban versus the rural voters with different type of issues as well. So I think, first and foremost, focusing on the likely outcome of the election mm. is one thing. Mm-hmm. Subsequent to that is your question. Who is going to then take over the mm. leadership? Uh, uh, so there's some sensing that, you know, uh, BN, Barisan uh, Nasional, could have a slightly better outcome, maybe by a small margin. Um, but then, you know, the, the, the current uh, prime minister is not even the highest ranking yeah. uh, official within UMNO, the, the biggest party in BN. So does, would he have to make way? You know, and this is assuming that BN does well. So, wow, if I had a crystal ball to, to look at that, it would uh, I'd be very happy. But trying to keep track of these issues is not easy. Yeah, it's going to be something really interesting to follow. I do appreciate your time this morning. been speaking with Nicholas Fung, Managing Director, Black Dot, and Director for Security and Global Affairs, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Thanks again. Take care and have a good day. Have a great day. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.